0: Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, his feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood to his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John.
1: Good morning. So I know what you're thinking. Pastor, you're taking sermon illustration to a whole new level with that limp. I mean, the guy at the gate, he couldn't even walk. He couldn't even limp. But yeah, I, I, I broke my toe this week. So I took everything I could to like wrap that thing up, and it just fit inside this pair of shoes. So it's, um, it's not a fake thing. It's not a sermon illustration. I would not do that. Well, maybe I would. Y'all know me too well. So real quick, though, like, I'm on the trampoline with my daughters. And these are the literal words that come out of my mouth. Girls, watch this. Yeah, not, not a good idea. So I'm like, I plan to do like the butt jump where you jump on your butt and then you go back on your feet. And so I do it, but at some point my feet get messed up and one toe comes off of the other foot and jams into the back of the heel. And I just thought it was a toenail, but no, it's the whole toe. And the big toe. So we like to do things big here. So we ain't messing around with no baby toes. Like we thought like I thought, you know, oh, maybe maybe I need to call one of the other pastors and maybe they could preach. But then I thought to myself, hold hold on a second. Like there there's no way I'm going to call Pastor Kenneth Saturday morning and be like, "Bro, you've got to preach tomorrow because of this." Like I grew up in a house where my dad, my dad's here, my uncle's here. Like these boys, they'll tell you stories of like we went to school nine miles in the snow, uphill both ways. I mean, these guys have jumped out of airplanes, fought in wars, slept in ditches. They didn't have a bathroom in their house till they were 13 years old. Amen. And so if I, if I can't preach for 35 minutes with a broke toe, I can't go home. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If Paul can get beaten and left for dead and then preach the next week, I better be able to get up on stage with a broke toe. So I'm going to give you everything I got this morning. I might be lying on the back afterwards, but are you ready? All right, so Peter and John are going to prayer. Now, this is just the average normal every day. I mean, things are just normal. They're in a routine, and they are getting ready to go to prayer. It's an ordinary day, but this day is anything but ordinary because all of a sudden, things change, and, and the story, like, all of a sudden, this day ends up with, well, there's miracles. Man, this guy that has been lame for 40 years rises up and walks. There's, there's 5,000 people that come to get saved in this day. There, there's all this that happens. Now the story continues on where they actually end up getting arrested. They get thrown into jail, and they get threatened. And, you know, you can't do this anymore, Peter and John. You can't be teaching in the name of Jesus. And this is just their day. This is just a day. They wake up. They're going to prayer. And this is the beginning. This is the early church. Now, I know this is the early church because it tells us, like, that there's 5,000 people that come to know the Lord this day, but that's just the men. That's not even counting the women and the children. Now, now, this is crazy, because when we first started the church, I mean, we counted everybody. Like, one, two, three, yeah, we had 19 people at church today, y'all. Oh, she was pregnant? No, 20 people at church today, y'all. She's having twins? 21 people at church today. I mean, we counted everybody just to like, it doesn't matter. They breathe in, they count. There's some ducks in the parking lot, 27. We got them. And Peter just kind of throws it out there. It's like, yeah, and 5,000 people got saved. Like, what? Oh, yeah, and that's just the men. That's not even counting the, like, are you crazy, Peter? We need these details. We need these numbers. This happens, and this is just a day. Now, if we were to rewind to Acts chapter 2, Peter's preached And 3,000 people got saved. Acts chapter 3, 5,000, 3 and 4, 5,000 people get saved. So in just a few days, there's 8,000 people, not counting the women and the children, which they would get thrown out of town nowadays for that. It's like totally sexist. Like, you didn't count the women and children. Why would you only count the guys? But really, honestly, there's probably 20,000 people that have come to know the Lord in just a couple days. In just a few days. Let me put it another way. All of Shalot, yeah. the entire 20,000 population of Shalot has come to know the Lord in just a couple days. Do you think God could still do that again today? Yes. And, and that's right. And, and so, so, so this is happening. All of this. Is, and I got to tell you, I believe that this could happen. I, I believe that this this. This gospel moment that we're reading about wasn't intended to be the end. It was intended to be the beginning. It was like, this is how it starts, and and 3,000 people got saved. But hold up, the next next few days, 5,000 people get saved, and people are coming into Christ. And I, I believe that it can happen today. I believe that God wants to do it more than we even want to see it happen. Let me say that one more time. I believe God wants to do it even more than we want to see it happen. He wants to see people come to know him. It it, it starts out as a routine. It starts out as a normal. Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Now, it tells us that the hour of prayer there is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, don't lie. Y'all ain't coming to service at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, we have service at 10 o'clock Because y'all know that y'all could get out of here and y'all could beat the Baptists to the buffet. (laughs) You know it's true. I'm going to be out of church at 1130. I'm going to get to Jerome's. I'm going to get to Golden Corral. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to beat all them guys. I'm going to beat the Baptists. I'm going to beat the Pentecostals, the charismatic. We're beating all of them, except for the Catholics. (laughs) they already there, y'all. Mass was at like 6 a.m. They had lunch already. You ain't going to beat no Catholics to the buffet three o'clock they're like man it's three o'clock What's the time for prayer and these guys are like man all right I don't I don't know if that's apparently first century Jerusalem three o'clock it's the hour of prayer and they're going and, and something something happens something breaks their routine see how many people know that like prayer is a good routine to have prayer is a good routine that hey listen Hold on, let's pause what we're doing. Everything in life, there's this busyness. Yet yeah, people are getting saved. All this is happening. But wait, what do you want? to Wait, we, we need to go to prayer. It's a very good routine to have. And there's nothing that will break the monotony of life quicker than prayer. Amen. Prayer will change things. See, have you ever, like, entered into prayer? And I know you're in church, and you would never say this out loud. But some of you have thought this, but it's so boring. It's as if I'm saying all these things, but God never talks back. But I, I'm praying there, and they told me to get into this little thing that they call the prayer closet, but I just organized the shoes. <laughs> and, and I tried to pray, but then my mind wandered off, and I was just thinking about tomorrow's job, and I was thinking about all of the things I got to do, and then I started to get into my punch list thing. And, and look, I struggle with this thing called prayer. You're not alone. People just don't want to say that out loud. And, but here's the thing about prayer sometimes is we enter into it with this, like, but I'm praying and I'm praying, but nothing's happening. I, I, I prayed for this to happen for so long, so many times, but it's as, if, as if nothing, it's just nothing changes. It's always the same. I've been praying. But here's the thing here's what, here's what I believe. I believe you can never really pray without something changing. See, the thing that we're praying for may remain the same, but when we've entered into prayer, sometimes the thing that needs to change is you. Sometimes you need to enter into the presence of God, and God says, yeah, I know you're praying about this, but before we get to that, the thing that really needs to change is in you. And see, sometimes it's even just our attitude. Sometimes we enter in, I mean, you could read the Psalms, we've talked about this, you can read the Psalms, and you can look at David's attitude goes from God, if you just don't kill all of these guys all these enemies around by the end of the prayer he's just like wait hold on wait a minute god you're greater than all of this wait wait hold on why are you downcast oh my soul put your trust in god so all of a sudden sometimes there's still enemies around him there's still things that he's got to go through Yea, though i walk through the valley there's still some stuff that's happening god you could prepare a table before me Yeah, i could leave this place and maybe the thing on the outside hasn't changed but god you've changed something on the inside See, prayer will break the routine in a moment. The thing that changes is me. Now, I got to tell you, one of the things I love the most, and I know I've told you all this before, but I'm dead serious. I love the most as a father is tucking my girls in at night. And I pray with them every night, and and, and actually last night I didn't because I was asleep before they were, but usually I tuck them in every night. And I'm tucking my girls in, and this happened a few nights ago, and I just love it because I'll pray for them, and they'll pray for me. And I love for them to pray first. Um, and Reese, my youngest, it, it's the best because her prayers always start off she has a certain routine. And, and the routine starts off with, Lord, thank Daddy. And, and, like, some of it doesn't even make sense, but Lord, thank Daddy. And i don't just, Lord, thank Daddy. I love him so much. And it's like my heart just melts, you know. I love him so much, but then it goes into, I love him so much, and I really want a unicorn cake, (laughs) and then it goes into just whatever's happened that day, I I really want a unicorn cake, and please have my sister be nice to me, and we share, she shares that one toy, and so that way, I could play with that toy tomorrow, and then after that, I want to take mom to the store, and then, and Jesus, amen, (laughs) like, that's the prayer, And every time I'm listening to this prayer, and as her father, I'm just loving it. And can I tell you this morning, when you pray like that to your heavenly father, even if you don't have all the right words, even if you're just, and Jesus, I would just like a unicorn cake, his heart melts for you. When it comes to prayer, you don't have to know all the big syllable words and all of the right things to say and do. All you've got to do is pour out your heart to God. God, this is what I'm going through. This is what's on my heart. This is what's on my mind. And this is what communion looks like. This is what conversation looks like. It's this father and this child. Because let's be honest, most of the times when I pray, I don't even really know what I'm talking about. And sometimes God has to, later on, correct me. Like, I, Thank God I didn't get all the things that I prayed for. Thank God I didn't marry that other girl. She's crazy. I seen her on Facebook. i like, girl, I thought she was the one. No. I'm glad I got my wife now. Look at this girl. Every time, like, oh, Facebook block her. And then... Thank God he didn't answer those prayers. Thank God he didn't answer those prayers. And this happens, there's this moment, and and there's this routine. There's this prayer that happens. And it's just beautiful. And here we have the disciples, and they're in this routine. But all of a sudden, something changes. God opens their eyes to something that's been there all along. See, they've, it's the hour of prayer. They go to this place daily. But they've never noticed that there's a lame man at the gate. Or if they have noticed, they've just dropped him some change. Because after all, he's just a beggar. Just, can I get some change? Can I get some change? And maybe they've dropped a few things and they've, and they've gone into the temple. But all of a sudden, in this moment, something changes. God opens their eyes to something To a a problem that exists that they never thought was a problem. See, they didn't think it was a problem because it didn't directly affect them. Because we're just on our way. I'm here to tell you, even on our drive here this morning, you passed some problems. You've you've passed some problems that have been sitting there for a long time. The, The Bible goes on to tell us that this man has been lame for 40 years. Forty years his friends have come and laid him at the gate. And the gate is called beautiful. But he's got an ugly problem in a beautiful place. And, and, and the thing is that this goes on day after day, week after week. This man just sit there begging, laid daily at the gate. He's been passed by time and time again. Maybe he's had some coins dropped in his cup, but nobody's paid him much attention. And you know how I can tell that nobody's paid him much attention? Because nobody knows his name. Peter, name. John, name. This guy, lame man. See, he's been identified by his dysfunction. All of this, this guy's been laid here year after year, and nobody's like, even to the point whenever he does get healed, and he goes in praying, everyone's like, wasn't that the lame man? Nobody even knows his name. All he all they know is here's the guy that had the problem at the gate. Wasn't that him? His whole identity has been wrapped up in this is who you are, and you're broken. You're worthless. You're too young, you're too old, you're too black, you're too white, you're too messed up, your feet don't work right, you have a speech impediment, you're not smart enough. And so we just lay at the gate and we begin to identify with what the world has told us we are, broken, messed up, laid there daily at the gate. Our whole identity wrapped into this point of our deficiency. Here's the thing religion will always define you by your worst act. Religion wants to take the worst thing that you've done in your life and tell you that's who you are. Oh, you've done what? That's all you'll ever be. You did what? You cheated? You lied? You stole? You murderer? You prostitute, you thief, what? That's all you'll ever be. See, but Jesus comes by, and he sees something else. See, everyone else just see a, a beggar. Jesus like, no, 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 that's an evangelist right there. He's getting ready to sing the praises of God, and all of a sudden, things that thing, people haven't seen before, all of a sudden, their eyes are going to be opened to something that's brand new how often do we find ourselves identifying ourselves because of what someone else told us and not what God has told us? The Bible's full of these stories. The children of Israel are a great example. They've gone through hundreds of years of slavery only to be uh, given freedom. They're saying, hey, listen, you're going to take this promised land. You're going to take it. And then all of a sudden, they see that there's some giants in the land. They come back with these reports You know what the Bible says? It says they said this, we can't beat those guys because we're like grasshoppers to them. They identified as this little small bug that will get crushed if we try to do this task. Are you serious? Did God not just like part an ocean for you? Did you, did did like, not all of these miracles you just see go through? I mean, can you not see that God loves you? See, but here's the thing. They've spent hundreds of years being told they're nothing but slaves. They've spent hundreds of years only identified as the only thing you're good for is making bricks. Make more bricks. And the more bricks you make, you're okay. More bricks. More bricks. Come on, keep... Keep hammering out. Keep hammering out, Dad. Just go to work. Work more hours, Dad. Keep doing that. Keep, keep going on until our whole identity is just based upon what we've done or what, what we could do or, 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 or how we look in someone else's eyes. And we take on this slave mentality to the point where whenever God shows us the promised land, all we can see is, well, I'm just a grasshopper. I, 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 I can't do it. All I am is a lame man at the gate. And here's the thing. Any time we identify like that we get stuck in the place of transition. See the children of Israel was t- stuck in a place of transition. The promised land was right there. It was theirs for the taking. But because of how they saw themselves. Now the Bible even goes on later to tell us that the giants were actually afraid of them. But it didn't matter because of the way they saw themselves. Because of how they identified with themselves. They saw themselves as God. So they're at this place of transition, and the story goes where they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. This guy, he's at this place of transition. He's not in the temple, but he's not outside of the temple. He's sitting at the gates. He's in a transition point. He's too, well, I don't know if I'm in or I'm out. See, he's just enough where he could hear the music, but he can't enter in. I could hear the sounds of worship, but I, I, I can't go in there because I'm lame. And, and then he hears the sounds of the world, and, and I can't quite go over there too because I've been rejected by them as well. And so he gets stuck day after day in the place of transition, seeing himself. He's got an ugly problem in a beautiful place. Now here's the thing, I think when we look at this, and we look at these gates called beautiful, I think there's the idea that the reason why the gates are beautiful, because maybe they're laced in gold, or silver, or whatever all, they're all fancy and nice. But here's the thing, I think it's this man that Jesus is more interested in than the beauty of the gates. I think he is the one that makes the gates Beautiful. I think the very fact that this place right here, it's nice that we have a building and air conditioning and all that great stuff, but you are what makes this place beautiful. Without you, we have just a building, but you are the church. And so we come and we bring all of our problems, and we bring all of our deficiencies and everything... And in, and in this guy's case, I've got to, I've got to wonder about his friends because on one, on one hand, it's like, man, his friends are awesome because they've, they've brought him to this place. They've carried him day after day. But at the same time, come on, man, bring him inside. Let him help the brother out. Let him enter into worship. Let, her, let him enter into prayer with everybody else. But have you just laid him there because you don't want the people inside to see this guy's ugly problem? And that's often how the church becomes... As we don't want people to come inside because then all of a sudden we might start seeing some ugly problems. And yet Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one to say, Prostitutes, come on. Sinners, come on. Drug dealers, come on. No matter what it is, come on. Come on in. But hold on. They might get the carpet dirty. Do you know that's actually what happened back in the 70s in the Jesus movement? There was all these hippies that were getting saved out in California and all these places, and that literally thousands of people were coming to Christ in the '70s, and they got kicked out of the church because they were dirtying up the carpet, and there was drug issues and all these other issues. And like at what point did we begin to think that, that the church is, was for like perfect people? I mean, all you've got to do is look in the mirror for about 0.7 of a second and realize you messed up. And if you don't believe it, just ask your wife. <laughs> ask your husband. She will let you know. He will let you know. All of this happens. He's sat at the gate. Day after day, he's taken on this label, and he's just, if I could just get some more coins in my cup. You got any change, sir? quarter let me let me get a dollar something I just just need a a cheeseburger I I need something and so he sits there begging day after day because well this is who I am this is my life this is what the hand that's been dealt to me so day after day he just comes just comes and he's expecting he's expecting some coins he's expecting some coins But God wants to do something else. See, he's expecting some coins, but God's saying, I want to do a miracle. I want to do a miracle in your life. What are we expecting? What what did you come to church expecting this morning? Now, for this next moment, real honest with yourself. Did you come to just, we're going to hear some music. The pastor's going to say something. Somebody's going to watch my kids for a few minutes. It's worth it just for that. It's free childcare for an hour. For an hour. I don't have to deal with my kids acting crazy. I'm going to church. Why wouldn't you go to church? Right? What do we come expecting? Oftentimes, I think we come expecting just like, just just fill my cup, pastor. Just give me a few more. Just give me some change. Just give me something to make it through the week. Just give me something. Just give give me a little bit. So I can can make it through and life will be a little bit better. And God's saying, like, you were expecting change, but what I want to do is a miracle in your life. What you should have expected is, I know your marriage is on the rocks, but you should have come expecting that God's going to heal something this morning. God's going to change something this morning. I will walk out of this place and things will be different than they've ever been. Somebody's life is going to be made whole this morning. As a matter of fact, whenever 3,000 people in five, I'm wondering why there ain't 5,000 people in here this morning. I expected to show up and I expected to see a line and a line around this place. Why? Because we have the gospel message. And it's the greatest message of all times. That there is a God who loves us and sent his son to die for us. And there is hope in the resurrected Christ. There is no better message. There is no greater hope than Jesus. And we have it. We have the greatest story Of all times, we have a healer, a savior, a deliverer. And so I gotta be honest, I'm kind of shocked that 20,000 people in Shalot haven't gotten saved this morning. I know that sounds crazy, but I just believe it. I just believe it. I hurt my toe, and I don't know why it's not healed yet. I am totally confused. The adrenaline's making it feel okay right now. There is a good chance I'm going to be laying up in the bed in just an hour. I don't get to go to the buffet with y'all today. It's going to be like 3 o'clock, y'all going to be waking up from your like buffet coma. And y'all be like, oh, wasn't church good? And I'm going to be up there praying for you. No, I'm going to take Niple. I'm going to, no, Anyway, What are we expecting, though? I mean, come on, let's be honest, though. What are we expecting? I don't know about you, but I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I don't know how to be a good husband. I can't do it. I don't know how to be a good father. I can't do it. I need Jesus. Jesus, I need your help because I, I, I can't lead my family into the, the direction you're telling me to lead them. I can't lead this church. I can't be your pastor. Here's the thing. I can't fill your cup. If you came here this morning and you just wanted some change and you just wanted to hear a good sermon and you want to hear Alan to, to sing you a good song, here's the thing. We can't do it. We might, you might come in and you might get a couple coins and you might feel good for a couple hours, but whenever everything happens out there, in the world, and things start going crazy, you need something more than just a little bit of change on Sunday morning. You need a miracle in your life. We had a brother this last week that we were out in the parking lot, and he told me, Lucas, you know, I come to church, and I've given my life to the Lord, and all of this, he's like, God's filled my heart with so much love, but I go to work, and I have this boss that every day he calls me a beep, beep, beep. And he just ridicules me, and he does all this, and he's saying all of these words against me. What do I do? Because it's real. See, over here, like, you come into these doors. Good morning, brother. We love you. Good to see you. And then you can be beeping your horn as somebody cuts you off in the parking lot on the way out of here. You know you're going to. But the thing, yeah, you know it. And I told him, I said, like, here's the thing, here's the thing, man. Like, the enemy knows that God's got big things for you. And that guy that's treating you that way, he's only treating you that way because he's been treated that way. And what he expects of you is for you to bring that same level of hostility and anger back to him. I said, so when he does it, just love him. Just bless him. Just say, Hey, I'm going to do a better job. I'm working on that. I, thank you, man. Thank you for, like, just all of a sudden do that, and then it's just going to confuse the brother. He's going to be like, I don't know. I keep, I keep swearing at him. He just keeps blessing me. I don't know. Like, and then he's going to get saved. And the whole atmosphere inside your workplace is going to get, get changed. But here's the thing. But you've got to walk through it. And for that to happen, you, like Peter and John, you've got to go into prayer things happen in prayer it changes your heart I, I tell you that's how I become a better pastor it's how I become a better father it's how I become a better husband it's how I become a better follower of Jesus by just entering in and Jesus I would love a unicorn cake I'm serious and just, just speaking my heart to him and today, today was rough God and I don't understand why all this is happening I don't understand why I have this stack of medical bills and I don't understand why the doctors keep giving me all of these negative reports but God here's the thing yet I will praise you that's a hard moment y'all where you look at what everything the world is telling you and then you look at everything that God is telling you and you're there, and you're sitting at that gate, and it's been 40 years of just getting change. And all of a sudden, something, something's, something's different. All of a sudden, you look up, and the Bible even says that he was expecting to receive something. He was expecting some money. And he said, hold on. Silver and gold have I none. Which lets you know right there that the disciples were still broke. I mean, they technically lost their jobs. Jesus, phew, like, we ain't, I don't know, he didn't leave us with a 401K or whatever it was, 501C3. I don't know. Like, Like, but what I do have. But what I do have. Now, this is important because it ain't about what you don't have. See, we can give excuses all day long about what we don't have. We could tell Jesus all day long the reason why we can't do it. But what he's asking is, well, what do you have? What do you have? What has he put in your life? What gifts and what talents can you do right now? Because he will never ask you to do something that he will not equip you to do. He'll get Whatever it is, and yet we want to sit back and say, well, God, if I just have that, then I could do this. Nope. You've got to take with what you've got now. You've got to be faithful with the little. Because if you ain't faithful with the little, you are not going to be faithful with the much. If you mess up the little, you're going to mess up the much. I don't know if that's correct English, but it sounded all right. <laughs> this is the South. We could do that. What do you have? You have got to be willing to give up what you've got in order for a miracle to take place. See, I, 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 silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now there's this choice. You could take his hand, or you could be content with, just, I just need some more change. Come on, pastor, just, just fill my cup one more time. Come on, just, I, I, just, just, just one more thing. Just, just one, no, no, no. Maybe the thing that God wants to do is raise your expectations. Maybe you've been content too long with just getting some change. See, here's the thing. We live in a nation that is one of the wealthiest nations on the planet and we are more depressed than any other nation on the planet. Now here, listen to this. I think one of the reasons, just one of the reasons, why we're so depressed as a people as a whole, is not because our expectations are too great. It's because our expectations are too small. It's because we're content with just a little nicer house, a little nicer car, a little more money in the bank account. And what God wants to do is, hold on, there's some miracles. There's some lame. There's something in your body that's not functioning right that all of a sudden, you need to rise up and walk. Come on, church. But we've got to be willing to give what we got. Stand with me, please. For a moment, just close your eyes. And as we've asked that question, what are you expecting? What are you expecting? At this moment, if it was just you and God, have we been those that we've just we just kind of taken on the role of the beggar and we've even gotten to the point where i don't i don't even know what it is i don't even i don't even know what freedom looks like anymore i've sat lame at this gate for so long god wants to do a miracle God wants to break into your life. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus can do it. I believe that Jesus can heal your broken body. I believe that Jesus can heal your broken marriage. I believe that Jesus cannot just help you manage your addiction problem, I believe that Jesus can absolutely change your life around and bring you out of the darkness and into the light that he is the way, the truth, and the life. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith. Hope and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. to the fountain.